Yeah, I wonder if that's the Wi-Fi. I mean, I wonder if that's how I'm recording. There's a lot going on here, too. Yeah, I don't know. Can you hear that? The train? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear it. <laughs> all, of, all of a sudden, like, it's been quiet for like an hour here. And now all of a sudden, it's like a loud thing <laughs> all day. So they call uh, Murphy's Law. Yeah, so stupid. Okay, well, sorry, everybody. Well, I was reading this this interesting article the other day I went, that I, I, I put in my notes here just in case for something to talk about. It's called the Diderot effect. You ever heard of this? No, I have no idea what that is. Um, the Diderot effect is is reference to the French philosopher Denis Diderot, um, and essentially the the I guess you could call it the mythos behind the name of this effect was that uh, Diderot was really poor for a really long time, and then he got money. So basically, somebody became a patron or something like that, um, and. He bought himself the one thing that he could think to buy was he bought himself this new red robe. Um, and then all of a sudden, because he had the red robe, he was sitting around his place and he looked around and he's like, I need a new chair. I need a new because everything looks everything in this room looks shabby because of my new I have something luxurious. So everything else looks gross. Mm. So he bought a new carpet and bought a new chair and bought all of these new things just because he bought the one thing. So they called that the Diderot effect. That when you buy something, it usually leads to you buying more things. Do you see that? I see it. I definitely see it. My habit. Yeah, I, I definitely see that in my habits too as well. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of an obsessive guy. I mean, almost everything I do, I end up doing probably a thousand percent more than I probably should. Um, like I got into headphones at some point and I bought this really nice pair of... Um, like short headphones back in the day. And then I ended up getting some ultimate audios and you know all kinds of crazy stuff. I went crazy. I probably ended up having between five to $7,000 worth of various headphones, um, including studio monitors for musicians. I mean, it, it was out of control. Um, did the same thing with golf clubs, obviously, because I'm a golf guy. Uh, but yeah, no, I definitely understand that effect. Um, it's, it's been a part of my life pretty much since I, I've been able to buy things on my own. Yeah, there's a there's a a weird side of it too that I I tend to fall victim to, which is complete completist. Um, you know, like for example, I'll put it in a simple way for people listening. If you bought the first two Harry Potter books in hardback, wouldn't you feel weird to own to not own the rest of them? Oh, that makes sense. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, I might as well have all of them because I have those too. Um, so taking that to an un- that's that I would say that's a fairly healthy version of it you know because it's one story of course yeah you want to read them be weird if you had all different copies and stuff like that um Mm -hmm. but i tend to do that in like um like for example when we talked about last time my moving away from amazon and going back to apple books um there's a part of me that wants to rebuy everything that i bought on kindle on apple books so that it's all in one place and I mean, we're, that's it's a ridiculous impulse that probably will not happen because that would be thousands and thousands of dollars. I believe so. Um, sorry, that's a foghorn. <laughs> Lamb is um, on a I, boat. Yeah. A train, your plane, trains, and automobiles why right is now. There a, why is there a why is there a freaking tugboat? In we've had to recap the listeners real um, quick. We've had of uh, a, a fire no a fire truck. Was it a fire truck? No, just a truck. A train, I believe so. Planes, planes. Uh, yeah. A fire alarm, and now a foghorn. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't understand what is happening here. Um, All right, let's let's move on to something else. <laughs> yeah, I'm so I'm so curious now. Like, given the, the the teasers you've given me about what the other episode sounds like, I can't wait to hear. It's that, so different to to the extent that I know. Excuse me. There's the burp. It's so different. We we found a flow that's very different. We found out first of all that him and I like to rant together. So, um, okay, and it's just it's a lot of of goofiness and like um, not not angry arguments, but like ridiculous arguments, <laughs> like over the spelling of a word. <laughs> oh, it's so good! It's so good in in such a different way, and I'm sure that it's probably just. People out there that like the episodes that you and I are probably listening to that episode going, what the hell? Which is exactly what I wanted. I think you said it like probably half a year ago, maybe 10 episodes ago, where um, you, you kind of, in going through a lot of the old episodes, you realize that you and I agree on most things. And there are times where that, that doesn't really... Over, over a period of time, that, that almost has to get annoying. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just, it's different. I mean, I just like, I like the, the differentiation, the different feel. And I don't know, I don't know what people sure. listening feel about it. But like for me, I would appreciate that. If it was in my feed, like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. This is different. And it's the same. It fits together. We talk about some similar things, but then we also talk about some ridiculous shit. Like it's, it's pretty funny. Um, just the differences. and. It's 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 a fun experience just because I know that my my brain is growing, you know, like oscillating between the two. It's it's really it's a it's a fascinating experience. Um, but that's not an interesting topic for everybody else. Well, it's 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 interesting in that I feel like even among people I know very well, I interact with them very very differently. Yeah, that's true. Oh, it goes back to you know the idea of the different selves surfacing, you know, we, you and I talk about that a lot, or if you're an addict and you hang out with people you get high with, that, that addict might surface. It's dangerous, right? And I think it's sure. the same thing. It's like, yeah. oh, I was this kind of person when I met this person, and that's kind of what surfaces, right? Sure. Um, here's an interesting, interesting topic for me. I'm curious. I put this down because I was curious to hear your uh, thoughts on this. And I, I feel like I, I'm hoping I'm stealing the right term. This is definitely a term. I'm not positive that the term is for what I'm going to use it for, but the term is the twilight state of consciousness. Mm. And if I am correct in remembering, the twilight state of consciousness is the state between uh, awake and asleep. When your conscious and your subconscious mind are both active at the same time. Um. The reason I the reason I bring that up is the other day I'm laying down to take a nap and I kind of end up in this state. And I've been in this state before. I actually love this state. I don't know if you're familiar with the state, but you're laying there, your eyes are closed. You're conscious that you're laying there with your eyes closed, but um, no better way to say this. You start to, and this is not literal, but you start to see images. In the, in the sense that um, your subconscious mind is starting to kick in. So you're almost seeing dreams, but you're not literally seeing them, obviously, because your eyes are closed. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but my experience with it is very different um, in that it's not when I'm about to fall asleep, but when I wake up. Oh, interesting. When I wake up in the morning, 
Um, I, I dream, I dream really lucidly. Um, and I feel like I, I have problems with sleep in general. So I get stuck in this weird mid state, which I'm assuming is what you're, you're talking about with the twilight state where, um, I am, my eyes are still closed. I'm pretty much physically asleep, but my brain is working at full speed. Um, and I find that I control and imagine um, things that I would have never imagined either in my dreams or consciously. Um, it's a weird state of control that I have over what that looks like in that moment. And it usually lasts a while too. Like I remember there are moments where like I'll actually physically wake up. I, I think I had this experience like last week where I wake up at six in the morning um, unintentionally. And then I'm in this state, like I, I kind of drift back to sleep again. Um, and then I'm in the state for like 45 minutes. Um, and I look up at the clock again at 6.45 and I've been messing with, with the world in my brain for the last 45 minutes. It, it feels very inception-y. Um, mm-hmm. Or if anyone has seen the, the, the movie Dark City, which by the way is a fantastic movie, yeah. um, I feel like I'm tuning in that like I'm using my brain to create a world <laughs> and it's pretty cool. Yeah. I think like my experience is um, like I said, it's as I'm falling, it's not even that I'm falling asleep. Maybe I'm not always falling asleep. It's like I could fall asleep. Maybe it's even a better way to say, it. but the way that I usually interact with the, it's like the subconscious starts playing a slideshow. It's not a movie, but a slideshow of just random images and for a little while, I can consciously be aware of it. Where I'm like, oh, there's a fish. Oh, and that's a tree. Yeah, It's really, it maybe sounds strange, but maybe it's different for everyone. Sometimes it can be auditory too. I can hear voices, um, which are probably just memories. Um, mm. But what I started thinking about that was, I wonder if I could say what I'm seeing. Do I have enough control of my consciousness right right now to speak without losing the subconscious? Um, So I started trying, or I'd say tree, red car. And I could do it, but it was very, it was very difficult, but I could do it. And then it hit me. Is this state between the subconscious and the conscious, what I call the twilight state of consciousness, is this what psychics think is messages from the other world? Huh, interesting. You know, like, because uh, I started thinking about, it, you know, I'm saying tree, blah, blah, blah. Well, you think about psychics that are talking about visions. That's kind of what they're doing. And they're not 100% positive what they're seeing, right? They're like the letter K, 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 K. And, you know, like they're, they're working it out. But like, and I could see that because you're not, like I said, these aren't, you're not literally seeing the stuff. It's just your subconscious kind of making you think you're seeing it. You know, it's like your brain stimulating the same part of the brain. And and I'm like, well, maybe that's what they think they're doing. They've learned how to easily slip into the state between awake and asleep. And they've learned how to speak what they're seeing. And they think that that's what, that they think they're being psychic. Yeah. And maybe, and maybe that's a, a, a 10% or 20% or 50% thing where um, there are some people who definitely enter that state and they're uh, obviously the other 50% is full of shit. Um, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're probably right. I mean, have I ever told you about the recurring dream I, I've had for like 30 years? Mm, I think maybe, but we should not tease that and not say it. 
<laughs> yeah, I, yeah, probably not. Um, so, so it started in my early teen years, um, and it was this recurring dream where I was in this white room, no floor, no ceiling, no walls. Like I, I could run perpetually in one direction, for example, and never hit the sides. I could never really perceive the floor, but I knew I was standing on one. Um, and it existed in that state for probably I don't know several years. Um, then eventually, there was this floating figure that ended up in the dream with me. Um, that would always just stay out of arm's reach. Um, and I feel like the state in which I imagined that place and that being um, was in that weird twilight state. I mean, I'm not, I'm not I'm, you know, for anyone who knows me, I'm not really a, a, a psychic slash hokey-dokey um, ghost spirit soul kind of guy. Like I'm a, I'm a pretty staunch um, empirical evidence science kind of guy. Um, so for me, it was a weird experience because I could never really explain it. And even to this day, I haven't really been able to find an explanation for it that's reasonable. Um, but I still I still occasionally have it. Um, basically, the older I get, the less frequent it becomes. But probably about once every six months, I still have a version of that dream where I'm floating in this room. Um, and sometimes it lasts a long time. Like I feel like I'm in there for hours. Um, and and it's it's sometimes it's very soothing and calming. Sometimes it's panic-inducing. Sometimes it's terrifying. But it always feels the same way, which is um, I'm in this weird state of in-between consciousness where I don't really have a ton of motor control, but I have just enough for it to be frustrating. Is that the vacant room? Yep, that's what the vacant room's based on. Bum, bum, bum. Dun, dun, dun. And scene. Yep. And that, <laughs> and and that, that ended is- the episode now. So basically, every, I mean, for every social media thing I've ever done, I mean, my website's called that. I mean, my, my design company, when I had one, was called that. I mean, the vacant room is based on that place because at some point in my life, I figured out how to not waste the time in there. So I would just stay in there and contemplate things like design or politics or, or altruism, whatever philosophical thing I felt like just thinking at the time, I would just sit there and think about it because I would be stuck there. You know, I couldn't wake myself up. I couldn't get myself out of it. I couldn't talk to this figure. Um, she would occasionally say things to me. Um, so I guess I now know what I'm doing for this week's uh, Patreon thing, which is I'm going to draw her. Um, mm, that would be amazing. And, and I'm, yeah, it, it's, it's a funky floating figure. And I'm going to draw her and, and, and send you that pic so you can post it on the Patreon. It, it still kind of slightly scares me to think about her, even though I never felt like she had any ill will towards me. Um, and yeah, she would occasionally say weirdly profound, but very cryptic things to me too. It's really strange. You know, I had the one one part you said in there about not being able to wake up. I had that experience once, and oh, that's such a weird feeling. I was, um, I was probably like maybe twelve, somewhere around there. And, yeah, and I remember actually, I, I used to have uh, bunk beds. I don't know why um, we, <laughs> we decided to do that. Um, I think I wanted them, is what it was, because you know, uh, like as an only child, sometimes you try to you crave having other kids around. So like you try to almost induce that environment, you know, like, Oh, I see on TV that people with um, siblings have bunk beds. Therefore I want bunk beds. Um, Sure. Stuff like that. But anyways, I remember I'm on the top bunk and um, I had been sick. So I slept really well and I probably had a fever dream, you know, like where it's just so intense and I remember wanting to wake up. I'm like, I want to wake up. And then not being able to wake up and then going, wake up. Why can't I wake up? Why can't I wake up? And then realizing 
I was awake, but I couldn't open my eyes. Oh, weird. And what it was, what it, in reality, what it was is I had, my eyes had crusted over. Huh. So they had actually like, you know, not like intensely sealed shut, but enough that I couldn't open them without reaching up and prying them apart with my fingers. Mm. And what a trapped feeling because you're slowly becoming aware that like, okay, oh, it's it's not that I, I am awake. I I am awake right now, but I can't see. And that's very, I mean, I, I have the, the experience where, where you're having the dream and you're like, I want to wake up from this dream. I have that a lot, but that's usually because I'm probably choking from sleep apnea. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, my, my version of not being able to wake up is very different because in the dream itself, like, so I'm not in my body in that moment, um, or at least not in the way that, that, that you are and that you're physically trying to open your eyelids. I'm, I'm awake inside of the dream. Right. So like I'm fully able to like wave my arms and jump up and down and all that kind of stuff, but I cannot get out of that space. Like I can't escape it. There, like I've, I've tried to like hit my head on the floor and there's no floor. You know, I've tried to like choke myself out. I mean, I, this sounds super morbid and really strange, but like I've done, I've done pretty harmful things to myself trying to wake myself up out of the dream and it's just never been able to, like I was never able to do it. And at some point I just gave up on it entirely and just started to, to kind of embrace what I could um, because I just couldn't, I, just, I literally couldn't escape the space. It's a really good starting place for something, for, to write something. Oh yeah, I mean, most of my my more, um, like I've told you about some of my my more complex story ideas and stuff like that. Most of them have their genesis in that room. Yeah, that's a really good start. You could almost make like an anthology of different places that that could spin off. Mm. I, it's funny you say that. I uh, the, so the vacant room. So the vacant room itself, I mean, for anyone who knows me knows that it's pretty much my moniker on every single thing that I, I, I produce. So at one point, I actually did end up writing a one-act play out of it um, that eventually became um, a, a fairly expansive set of plays um, that I wrote in my early 20s that I don't know if... I mean, I performed the one-act. Um, it, was, it was a one-man show, um, obviously, because of what the vacant room was um, when I was experiencing it. Um, but I eventually wrote it out to a full story, um, and I'm not even sure what the heck those are. You have recordings of the of the performance. It was done once, and it was done in London. Damn. And I don't know if anyone's got it. That would be I, I, primo I, Patreon I, content right there. I spent I spent like a good year of my life when I was 30 looking for it, like just going back through all of my, my friends list from the people I knew in London. And I could not find anyone who had a copy. I, but I know there were people who recorded it. You know, there's at least one or two recordings of it somewhere. Um, and I've been trying to find it for like a decade and I haven't been able to find it. Mm. The hunt continues. Yeah, that would be a heck of a... I mean, this was at the height of my acting prowess too. Like, I mean, for anyone who doesn't know that part of my history, um, I was very much into acting and theater for a good portion of my early years. Um, and I was a very serious... I mean, I'm an obsessive kind of guy, so it stands to reason that, you know, when I was doing acting, I was very much into it. Um, and it was... I'm not proud of a whole lot. Um, not to say that I'm not proud of the things that I've done, but I'm particularly proud of that one because I spent so much time writing it and so much time rehearsing it. And I thought the performance was really good. Yeah, it sucks when, when those things are just lost. You know, not even just to share with other people, but like to be able to go back, you know, what I said earlier about being able to investigate the past. You know, sometimes you have to dive into your own past and like 
you know, re, re experience those things and like reawaken those memories. It's, it's, it's funny you say that because I haven't thought about that. I have, I literally haven't thought about that performance in so long. Like I remember so many things about it now that we're talking about this twilight state. Um, I remember the, because it was a, uh, it was an ensemble thing and like everyone had a couple of one acts. Um, so I think there was six in total and, you know, for other people's, they got, you know, claps and reactions and stuff like that. I remember after mine, it was dead silent. <laughs> oh, I love that feeling. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was great because everyone else, like everyone's cheering and high-fiving and stuff like that. Like people did not know what to do with mine. Um, and I think it was because, you know, for, for, for anyone who, who doesn't know me, I'm a pretty intense guy. So, you know, everyone else's pieces are about like love lost or whatever it was, you know, like the, the typical standard fare that you would see on the CW on like a Thursday night at 8 p.m. But mine was dark before it was cool to be dark. Um, and it was, at the time, I was reading a ton of poetry. I was doing a ton of writing. Um, and I, that was during my Kerouac phase. So it was super dark. Um, and the performance was really, really intense. And it was longer than the rest of them. It was the final piece. And my, my, my acting coach at the time absolutely loved it. So she wanted me to go dead last um, just because she knew the effect that it would have. And sure enough, man, like it was dead silent in the room. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best feeling. It really is. I, I love just making people... I used to like... I mean, I, didn't, I never actually... I took classes and stuff, but I never really went and did plays or anything like that. I didn't like, I didn't so much like being on stage. I liked acting, but I didn't like being on stage. But I used to love when you had to do a performance in class and just getting the class to just sit there and look at you like, what the fuck? Dude, I love, I love being on stage. I love that interaction between the audience and the actor. And I, and I fed off of that, mm. you know, like, don't get me wrong. Like when I, was, when I was doing the workshops in class and stuff like that, I also loved that same thing you're talking about where you just scared the shit out of people and you floor them. Um, I loved that feeling but there's something about being able to move an entire room that's really unique and i think that's probably an experience that i still crave to this day which is probably the reason why i'm eventually going to go into politics um i like to inspire um and i like to i like to i don't even know how to describe it i, I like to move mm. you know i like to connect and i like to move people that makes sense that makes a lot of sense wow i had no idea the episode was going this way we never know. We started with, yeah. with a, a clusterfuck bomb of noise. <laughs> yeah, and then we, we dove into something that I literally haven't thought about in, in 20 years that has shaped my entire adulthood. <laughs> and now I think the episode should be called Hard and Deep. Hard and Deep. We had Clumsy and Weird. Clumsy and Weird, now it's Hard and Deep. <laughs> it's 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 getting weird. It's getting weird. It's getting weird. It feels like swimming through jello. Almost as weird as looking at pictures of Will Smith as the genie in Aladdin. Oh no. Don't even get me started. It's so strange. I'm I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand like redoing live action versions of these Disney classics and stuff like that, but I mean, come on, Will Smith looks ridiculous. I haven't seen any of them other than Beauty and the Beast, but that was really well done, I thought. Yeah, and what well, plus you liked Emma Watson. Yeah. yeah. Well, I watch Emma Watson. I watch her poop, you know, like. <laughs> okay, that's the weirdest uh, thing we said on this episode. Uh, but... That's going to be the one thing on the episode where I'm like, mm, wish I hadn't said that one. Yep. Well, <laughs> here we go. Too late. Let me, let me say go. it better. I'd watch her read a book on the can um, or on a chair or. Not really sure if that's any better. I think it's you're making it worse. I just. Um, 
I find her fascinating because she's a very smart human being. And, uh, you know, actually, I've never talked about this, why I find her so fascinating. I find her very fascinating because um, put in the position that she was put in as a child star, um, pretty much everybody before her um, turned into a complete train wreck. Um, Sure. For example, um, what's her name? The redhead from Herbie. Oh, um, Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. Big train wreck, right? To the point where like, you look at her now and she's just so weathered from the abuse that she gave her body that she looks like a different person. Sure. Um, but then you have Emma Watson. And actually, to be, to be fair, um, it seems like everybody from the Harry Potter films turned out to be fairly stable as adults. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for her to go in the directions that she went, like to like, and she's huge on promoting literacy and she's um, out there promoting gender, gender equality and all these things like this responsibility at such a young age and to carry it so well. She, I just found her as a human being very impressive um, sure. because to be honest, like what actress at, um, you know, 19 or whatever, that just came off some of the biggest movies in of all time, decides to stop acting so that she can go to college. Yeah, that's true. Natalie Portman did it. Which, by the way, yep. your, your Emma Watson is my Natalie Portman. I'm fascinated by Natalie Portman. It's funny you should bring up Natalie Portman because she's the master class that I'm watching now. Huh, interesting. I still have to see Lux. I've heard both good and bad things about it. I don't know what that is. Or Vox Lux. Um, it's a it's a movie. Oh, the one in. where she's a pop star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She talks about that in the master class. Um, what's what, there's a really there's two really great lessons in there on dialects and learning dialects. Mm, interesting and accents. Yeah, they specifically go. She has her actual. She has her dialect coach, and the two of them go through all the stuff that they went through to um, for her to nail her Jackie Onassis Kennedy voice for Jackie. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Really, I got to watch that one. Real nitty gritty stuff. Really, really cool. Um, but yeah, you're right. That That's probably the only other person that I can think of that did that. Um, yeah. I was like, oh, well, I'm, I still want a degree. Like everybody's going, why do you, why would you want a degree? You already have millions of dollars. Oh, maybe because they value education. Yeah. And and now I I for the first time in my my in the time that I've known that you've liked Emma Watson I now understand why you do for the same reasons I like Natalie Portman I never really put two and two together before mm-hmm. you, know, you know it's not like people are like oh it's your celebrity crush I don't have celebrity crushes yeah no I neither do I I'm not that guy I don't I don't intend on ever meeting them so <laughs> it's not good it's just I, I it's people that I'm like okay that's a person that I find attractive and interesting. So whenever whenever somebody asks that question, he answers that. I used to say Winona Ryder all the time. Mm. I don't really have fantasies about famous people, though. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, even talking about the Natalie Portman thing, I I want to be friends with her. Like she's just a fascinating human being to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I it's not. I don't have fantasies about these things because it just seems number one. I'm like a a forty forty one year old you know balding podcaster. Not really. <laughs> not really going to be in a situation to meet people like that. Um, well, you never know. Yeah, you never know, but I'm not going to plan on it. I mean, to be real with you, though, I, I have the same fascination for someone like Natalie Portman as I do for. To put it in perspective, um, I have that same kind of fascination for. Uh, I, I mean, it feels it feels weird to say this because I don't. I don't. 
I, I'm not fascinated by him in the same way, but James Franco's a weirdo to me. <laughs> mm. And I kind of just want to meet him because I want to see, I want to see if he's, if he's full of shit or if he's just actually like that. Yeah. He seems interesting. He's, he's you know? kind of an enigma in some ways. Yeah. He's, he seems a little crazy, a little off kilter. You know what I mean? Actually a lot crazy and a lot, a lot off kilter. And something about that kind of fascinates me. Right. Like, I just want to observe him in the wild. You know what I mean? Like, follow him around New York City and have him not know that I'm following him around. <laughs> that sounds so creepy. Yeah, it sounds creepy, but I think anyone <laughs> anyone listening to this who... who I did say watching Franco do interviews or anything. What's up? I did say watching her poop, so it's okay. Yeah, exactly. So mine, in retrospect, does not sound as weird. Um, but, you know, just... I, 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 I think that I'm not the only person who, who has that, that fascination. Like, I, there's something strange about that guy. And I need to understand it. <laughs> mm, I'm try- I don't know if there's anybody I feel that way about. Lynch? No. Cronenberg? Really? I don't really have any interest in meeting them. Oh, really? I feel like some people serve me better as things as non-people. Oh, that's, sure. That's Tom a- York's like that for me. I can see that. Yeah. Like, I, I, like I never want to meet Tom York. Yeah, I'd hate to like hang out with Nick Cave and then find out that he's you know a big fan of like Big Bang Theory. I'm sure. Nothing wrong with that well, show. I've never seen it, but it's so mundane. You don't want him to. It's too pedestrian for that kind of figure. Yeah, or Tom Waits. You know, like you know, actually, Tom Waits would probably be hilarious telling you ridiculous stuff, anyways. But exactly. I, what see, if he I wasn't funny? About, I, I feel the opposite about Tom Waits. Even if he wasn't funny, he's going to be Tom Waits. Like I feel like a guy like Tom Waits doesn't have any other mode than who he I actually, actually is. I actually disagree. I think that really? what, I think the public persona of what you see Tom Waits is not Tom Waits. No, that's what I mean. Though. I think it's like, all an act. There's, there, there's, there's, and that's for Tom Waits specifically. That's what I mean. Is that I don't think that that who he is to the world is who he actually is. Yeah, I think and the guy he mundane. actually is. is I, I really want to meet him. I want to have pie with him and talk about um, city infrastructure. Yeah. See, I, I'm I'm afraid to meet him. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Okay. No, I think I did once, but it's a different story. Which I've probably told on here, anyways. I do like the Nick Cave thing, though. Finding out that he likes, you know, um, how, how I met your mother. <laughs> that would be interesting. I would be okay with that because at least I think there's there's some interesting conversation that can come out of that show. I don't know anything about the other show. I'm just saying something mundane. Um, sure. You know, or like that he reads People magazine. Like, oh, really? Come on. <laughs> like, I feel like you should be reading like some German fucking existential philosophy magazine. Or, or you should have like a font magazine from 1984. <laughs> or, or that we could talk about Bauhaus architecture or something. Ah, you're like the third person I've, I've that the third person I've had conversation with where Bauhaus has come up. Mm. That's really weird. And that must be the psychic gene right there because it popped into my head for absolutely no reason. Well, I've been I've been really into typography again lately. I mean, I have these phases where I jump in and out of typography. So I've been looking at uh, my old fonts from Bureau Destruct, and that kind of threw Bauhaus into my head. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I have like a lot of like really angular monochromatic architecture just flowing through my brain at any given time. Mm, that's interesting because yeah, I've been indulging my architecture love recently. Uh, you know what's, what was really disappointing to me when I realized that I liked architecture. Um, was buying a couple issues of Architecture Digest and finding out that most of it's about interior design. Yeah, sure. It's not about actual architecture, at least not the co- the ones that I got. 
but I did find a very fantastic magazine, which is funny. I I did subscribe to it physically, and I get them, um, but it's also available in Apple News Plus, um, which is Dwell. That is a fantastic architecture magazine. Mm. I've mentioned it before. That's where remember we talked about extreme recycling. That came from yeah. an, an, an issue of Dwell. Hmm. Yeah, great magazine. They have a they have an interesting podcast too. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, I can't think of the design equivalent, but I've been trying to find something like that for a while, like some kind of magazine that that I remember back in the day. There was print, there was ID, um, there was flaunt, there was a few others out there that were pretty good for design. Um, but I haven't really looked at design magazines in about a decade, so I, I, I'm trying to find something that will inspire me again. Um, I had this period of, you know, this quick period of time in which I was looking at specific kinds of art, like street art or graffiti, um, because that kind of piqued my interest because I was in this, you know, more like social, social justice slash um, rebellious phase. Um, but I feel like I'm now back into the world of the slick. Like I want to see things that look really cool um, that may or may not have meaning. Um, and I'm trying to find a good source for that. But I feel like I'm at the very beginning of that journey. Yeah, there's so many, so many topography books. Less than less good ones than you'd think, though. Mm, I've seen a ton that are very interesting, but I'm not. I'm not maybe I don't like topography as much as you. It doesn't fascinate me as much. Every once in a while, I'm like, "Oh, that's cool." I get like the hand lettering stuff. I find more fascinating. Sure, because of the process. Yeah, and it's it just seems like something that's so difficult to do for me. Sure. That's yeah, funny. I, I'm trying to think of new ways to do calligraphy. So I was thinking about getting coffee grounds and doing some calligraphy with a fork. Interesting. Take photos of that for the. For oh, the I, I definitely will. Yeah, that's going to happen. That's you know like the that. I don't know how you know. Sometimes, um, so many times recently, I've been trying to explain things that I don't have words for. <laughs> Sorry, people. Um, there's there's been these you know the when I talked about going on walks and how it would spark you know like certain memories or not even memories but feelings of the past uh what it also I've been realizing it does is it will spark certain modes of thinking I'll, I'll give you an example that happened to me and maybe that'll make it more clear what the hell I'm talking about so I'm walking down this one street that I've mentioned before that has a bunch of Eichlers on it and there's just one corner where there's just a certain amount of Eichlers and there's this one um, in particular that has a wall of those, you know those glass cubes from the 80s? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that they used to make walls out of? Um, yep. It has a whole panel of those. And for some reason, when I stood in front of that house the first time, it reminded me of architects, like my... It, it triggered the neurons in my head that are connected to what I remember or envision of architects in the 70s and 80s. You know, like sitting at a drafting table and, you know, living in a, in a house that looks kind of like a lodge, you know, lots of wood and all this stuff. Um, and it, I don't know why what I was looking at reminded me of that, but it made me think for a second. I was like, oh, probably in another life, if I had been born like 10 years earlier, that would have been me. I could have been sure. that architect. Um, like, um, for example, uh, Tom Hanks in um, Sleepless in Seattle. He's that architect, mm. right? Um, yep. So there's these little, these little tidbits of, of clusters, clusters of neurons that all these things are connected, but you don't know why they're connected. You know, like 
why is that glass cube and that house connected to the memory of uh, of architects and and you know like why is the drafting table um, part of my cluster of architects, but like modern, you know, use of CAD and all these other things isn't clustered in that group. And why is wood and the idea of a lodge or of, uh, you know, angular roofs, A-line roofs, uh, why is that clustered together with this stuff and not that? And why does it make me feel this way? And this other stuff that's architecture too doesn't make me feel that way. And I've been trying to kind of unravel that, but I, I don't, I don't have a bead on it, but one of those other things that I have a feeling about is magazine culture. Yeah. And the and it's probably that same era, you know, like 60s, 70s, 80s magazine culture because it felt like magazines were almost like a, a mix between gangs and schools. You know, like there are these these movements almost but small little mini movements, you know? Like uh like groups, like the beats, right? We think of it like as as this literary movement, but really, what is just a bunch of friends hanging out that talked about a lot of the similar the similar things, right? Um, magazine culture gives me that feeling of like a team working towards an artistic goal, and you know, like this guy's watching movies and this guy's doing that, and they're all bringing that into the magazine, and they're putting together this thing. You know, it's like the it's like the website before there were websites. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and and I de- I definitely I'm thinking back now through, through I I felt that specifically in the design world quite a bit because my friend Ken and I um he was kind of my partner in crime when it came to design work like we would we would literally share I mean this is before cell phones and all this kind of stuff so we would literally bring magazines to each other's houses yes um yeah. you know like I, I I remember bringing like he used to have a bunch of really cool design magazines like Emigre and, and all that kind of stuff. And I used to have a lot of the the, the, the music magazines like the, the old Rolling Stones and Ray Gun. And I used to bring them over to his house and we used to just literally stare at each other's magazines and then discuss them. It was really cool. Yeah. And that, that's ex- you nailed it exactly. That's the exact feeling that I get. And I didn't have the actual, the rest of those pieces. It was about that, wasn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. It, because, you know, like a, social media is based on the idea of like, I'm posting things for you to check out. I'm curating, curating this for you. But it doesn't feel that way, does it? No, it doesn't. I mean, there's a there's something about the tangibility of it. Being able to sit there and look at something together with someone and then discussing it in real time and pointing out details that I think is completely lost on social media. You know, like I can share, for example, an image with a friend of mine, but we can't sit there and talk about it. We can't we can't touch and feel it. We also beyond that too, we're seeing it very small. You know, it's usually it's on a, 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 right. a phone or some other smaller device versus Raygun, which was a giant ass magazine. <laughs> well, I think also there's the there's the the problem of filtering. Um, you know, like, Duration. Like, yeah, sure. You said his name was Ken. Is that what you said? Yeah. So uh-huh. you, yeah. You and Ken sitting there, you don't have to filter anything out because you're only getting what he's presenting to you and he's only getting what you're presenting to him. But when we're opening social media, I'm going, you know, uh, I'm going, here, look at this awesome, you know, the co- awesome cover of this book. Isn't it cool how they use the gold leafing here or whatever? Sure, and that's that's sandwiched between uh, you know uh, an Axios post about something that Trump did and <laughs> and and people hating the Game of Thrones finale, and they, you know like it's just it's smashed in there, so it's easy to be flipped past. It doesn't have that same focus, so I think it doesn't have that same that same feeling for me. 
Well, I mean, I, I think it extends beyond just the magazine culture too. Like I remember Ken and I, like we, we were, we were weird kindred spirits when it came to a lot of artistic stuff. Um, so we would watch, um, you know, like we had a thing for this, this director called Wong Kar Wai. Um, and we would watch Wong Kar Wai movies and talk about uh, Chris Doyle's cinematography or the, the pacing of, 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 of a certain narrative or the performance of a certain actor within the scope of that movie. I mean, we'd watch a movie and then talk about it for like four hours. <laughs> and that's a very different experience. Like there was no other distractions. We weren't reading news. We weren't getting text messages from other friends or anything like that. We would literally just sit in a room, watch a movie and then talk about it. Yeah. And I think that's... It, it's what I've always been trying to build with like holy fool in that sense of like even before it was called that this idea of many people with different influences some some you know like similar interests collecting things together and making this thing and i think that that's really like i'm i've been thinking about that a lot lately just that feeling even though i didn't have the articulation until we really started talking about this but that's really what i'm trying to make the patreon into where it's like, here's this place where we put all this stuff together. You know, like, boom, here's here's this, and here's this, and and here's here's you know, here's a video of this, and here's this song, and here's a piece of art, and because I feel like that, if anything, it, more than anything else, it inspires me because that's and that's fascinating to me, and it's it's that feeling. It's like I I, won't, I almost like I need to think about it almost like a magazine. Well, maybe maybe that's part of where the journey is for us too. You know, you're kind of assembling Voltron in a weird kind of way. Um, in that, you know, adding Tom to the equation. Sooner or later, we're all just going to sit down and talk about stuff in person together and talk about it the way that we've always kind of knew we needed, but never never really understood how to produce until it synergistically built itself into what it needed to be. Like, I feel like a lot of what random badassery is becoming is, is based on what we've always subconsciously needed, but never understood how to build. Right. Yeah. Because I think that, you know, some of those discussions have here, but we're still working our way through the, all the other stuff, you know, that filtering I was talking about. Yeah. That's all that stuff that's being filtered out still kind of seeps its way into here. Um, and until we can find that that place where that stuff, you know, like like a an isolation booth almost, you know, like where it's just, hey, we're we're living in this world of these things that fascinate us, and that other stuff doesn't really drift in here. And you know, like me leaving social media has made it a lot easier for me, but still, stuff filters in. You know, like knowing that all of these people are complaining about the about Game of Thrones. How do I know that? Apple News. Oh, so maybe Apple News is a problem for me because it's filtering things in that I don't want to be thinking about. Well, then, then maybe the journey for us, I love that we come to these epiphanies in real time. Um, then maybe the journey for us, maybe, you know, for, for guys like you and I, or maybe just what we're trying to find for the, the, the public in general is a way to get back to that sense of, of undistracted wonder. You know, mm-hmm. like the ability to, to to focus. So, like I remember that. You know, now now that we're talking about this, I remember going through like watching watching Lynch films with attention and care. And I feel like it's been a long time since I've I've spent that much time or energy focused on one particular artist. You know, I, I have an interesting challenge for myself. I, I have my challenge already, um, and this is going to be a fun one. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, I feel like we're trying to find a way to course correct how distracted we've become so that we can finally refocus and share the things that, that we, we find interesting subconsciously but haven't really had a chance to discuss. I feel like we're just going to just barf at each other. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and like Tom bring, brings up Wondery in the last episode, so it's funny that you would... Oh, not Wondery, Wonder. Um, Wondery is that podcast app. Um, <laughs> brings up wonder in the last episode so everything is like very synergistic but i feel like that's you're absolutely right like that's you know they uh, just today i've been doing these newsletters and um i was using a different service i moved over to review which is which is great i love review i, I used them before um and when i moved over i changed the name um because i just I wanted. I've always wanted to do something. What's funny is you actually said this word in the last episode. Um, I, I named it marginalia. Um, you know, which yeah. for people who don't know, that's the name for the stuff that you write in the margins of books. Marginalia. Um, and I kind of I, I I changed that name, but I was kind of doing what I was doing before, kind of like what everybody does with their with their newsletters. Like, here's a TV show that I watched that I like. Here's an article I read that's interesting. You know, just filtering you know like sort of curating but not really curating and it just hit me today that i was going through a bunch of these index cards that i have and i started realizing i have have so many index cards with things written on them and i realized that there were two groups of stuff that i had and one group was this is the stuff this is the box these things if i put them in a box separately this is the stuff i want to grab when i'm in a creative place you know, here's here's a, a scene from a movie that made me cry. And that's written on an index card, what the scene is. Okay, maybe I need to go watch that scene. And, you know, like, it's like an inspiration box almost, right? An inspiration toolbox. Or this, they used this song in this scene of this TV show. And it made me feel this way. Okay, let's listen to that song. Um, but then the other stuff that's in that box was like information, mm. little tidbits of information or quotes or stuff like that. Um, and then, and so I'm, I'm moving, I'm separating them into two boxes and I'm looking at the box of all of the notes that are about information and quotes. And, and it hit me, I'm like, oh, this is, what is, what's the name for this box? I'm like, oh, this is the marginalia. Huh. And, and then it hit me, I'm like, that's what I should be putting in the newsletter. I should just that's that's actually a fantastic name for the newsletter. <laughs> that's what so it's going to literally be me pulling those cards out and going, here's an interesting fact. Sometimes I wrote down the source where I learned it, sometimes I didn't. That's just, awesome. And not long paragraphs, just like literally bullet points. Like um, like I could tell you, let me grab the box right now. I'll grab one and give you an idea of the stuff that's in this box. Man, it's weird. It's weird how this shit works out, isn't it? It's it's just I guess if you stick around long enough, things start clicking together. Yeah. Um, uh, whoops, that one doesn't belong in that box. That's in the wrong. So we box. so in in a way we define we define that for ourselves and that success is about persistence, one hundred percent. And grit, yeah, yeah. So here's three cards, three random cards that I grabbed. Studies suggest that introversion and extroversion are forty to fifty percent heritable. Huh. That's it. Weird. So that would be one thing that I would put in the newsletter. Um, 
that also does not belong in this box. I did not do a very good job filtering. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's some because these are like character ideas. You know, like here's an idea for a character that doesn't belong in this book. I mean, this box. Um, yeah, wow. I should probably grab from a different part. I missed a stack in there. Okay, vitamin D isn't actually a vitamin. It's a brain hormone. And that's from Grain Brain by David Perlmutter, PhD. Mm. And then uh, from Cosmos, season one, episode 12, The World Set Free, Frank Schumann wanted to use solar power to irrigate the desert. In 1913, he built a successful solar farm in Africa, but then came World War I, and his collection and his collection equipment was recycled for weapons. Oh, man. Huh. That's fascinating. Just, and then just throw like five of those in every week. And just figuring that out, it got me so excited because it's like, finally, finally, I figured out the formula of what I was trying to do with this thing to the point that I came home and I re- the, the, the newsletters go out on Sunday. I already have it drafted and scheduled. <laughs> Another thing that like clicked into place. Um, so... What what that what that means is so when I can, when I'm reading stuff and I'm right you know like uh, watching TV or watching movies and stuff like that on my the table next to my chair I have a stack of index cards and a pen so anything that's information that can be marginalia I write it there and then I can throw it in the box and then one day it'll make it into a newsletter sweet sure have that part figured yeah. out did not have that figured out before but have it figured out now the other thing that I had never figured out so I have this pocket. You've seen the wallet that I got, the pocket wallet. Yep, um, with the notebook in it, mm-hmm. which is my favorite wallet of all time. So I write little notes down and in there, and I, you know, like I'm like, okay, so I know why it's there. It's like it's a oh, this is here in case I have a thought and I need to write it down, and this is what's going to be on me. But what do I do with those things? You know, sometimes it'll be things that I'll make it onto those index cards, of course, but then. We talked about that Nietzsche thing last week with the walking and him writing when he's walking. I'm starting to figure out how he wrote a book walking. Um, I'm not getting long passages like maybe he did or whatever, but I am walking and I realized what I was doing before was letting thoughts. Um, I'd, I'd end up in these long thoughts while I'm walking, but I wouldn't ever capture it. Um, not that I need to capture the whole thing, but you know, like um, I told you yesterday that I saw these clouds that looked like almost like pixelated, like the sky looked fake. And then I had like a, a, almost an existential crisis in the sense that I'm like, that doesn't look real. <laughs> and it, it it looked so unreal to me that I would put it the equivalent of, it, I think I used for you, if you looked up in the sky and you saw a full color clown face in the sky, would you question the reality that, that you were existing in? Like, how is there a full... 100%. That's exactly how I felt in that moment because the, the sky looked that fake. And so I ended up having like this long discussion with myself when I'm walking. Um, <laughs> just, you know, like, okay. And I w- some very fascinating things came out of it, but some of the questions that I was asking myself, so what if this isn't real? How would I approach the way that I act every day if I was in a game and I wasn't in life, you know, what, well, how would I approach that differently? And the, the difference is drastic, by the way, at least for me, you know, like the answer would be, I would worry about less and act more because you don't really walk around 
um, not sure what to do in a video game. You know, like, should I, should I shoot this guy or should I not? You just do it, right? You just act. Yeah. You know, like, sure. like we've talked about like people like Elon Musk, they just act. Well, maybe, I mean, he happens to be a person that thinks he's in a simulation. Maybe it comes from that mindset. So, you know, like I'm, I'm asking myself that question. Then I'm asking myself, um, what if I'm, you know, okay, say this is a simulation. What if I'm not a player? What if I'm an NPC? What if I'm a, what if I'm a simulation? What would that mean? Have I just been doing what's expected of my character? And asking... Just following your programming? Yeah. So, you know, I'm thinking about these things and walking. This is what you do when you go on long walks, right? But what I did was I took out the little pocket notebook and I wrote down those questions. Every time I had a, a question that I was thinking about for a while, I wrote down the question. And then because I had read this, um, I'll try to find it for the show notes. There's this short blog that Austin Cleon wrote about what what someone told him is described as his notebook, Turduncan. You know what a Turduncan is, right? I do know what a Turduncan is, yes. So it's for anybody who doesn't know, it's like a bird inside of a bird inside of a bird when you cook them. I think it's a turkey, a duck, and a quail or something like that. Turkey, uh, chicken, chicken. Turkey, chicken, and duck. There's got to be a duck in there. And duck, yeah. Yeah, there's a duck in there. Yeah, so you you stuff the you stuff the duck inside the chicken's ass, and you put the chicken inside the turkey's <laughs> ass, and then you cook them all together. That's a turduncan. Um, thanks, thanks for clearing that up. <laughs> but the but the but the reason they called that is because he has three notebooks, and each notebook gets smaller. Oh, I see. So he has a small pocket notebook that's basically the size of the one that I have, um, and then he has another one that's a little bit bigger. Um, I think it's like a three and a half by five and a half, and then he has like an, an eight and a half. Five and a half by eight and a half, I think. So it's just a little bit bigger. Um, and each of them has a different purpose. And that's why they called it the Chair Duncan, because it looks like all of his notebooks can fit inside of each other. But what he does with it is really fascinating because he, his little notebook is the same as mine. Just grab anything that comes in your mind. It's not for long writing. It's just for capturing. And then his middle notebook is a log. That's where he writes down, you know, like, I watched this movie today. I, I read this book today. I went this place. I ate this. I, I do that in in my uh, day one journal. But what he does with the small notebook is he takes anytime he has um, a subject in there, you know, like mine would be, you know, existential questions about reality or whatever, right? He takes those to his big journal and then he journals about them. Hmm. And then when he goes to write a piece later, when he goes to write something longer, he starts flipping through his journal and then reading about these short, you know, like the one to one to five pages of on, on an idea. And then if he finds something that he wants to expand to something even bigger, then he makes that into a, you know, maybe a blog. And then maybe that becomes a book. And it's just this really fascinating way of thinking of things. And I'm like, oh, so these questions that I have when I'm thinking, they don't have to end when I'm walking, I can bring those back and I can journal about them and then maybe revisit them again someday. Huh. So that's, that's an, another fascinating little piece that clicked in for me. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to figure out how I would organize that same system in my head. Like, do you think your thoughts work that way as well? Um, I, I clarify. I mean, I understand what the word organize means, but I'm not understanding well, because you're, what you're not... I mean, there's, 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 there's a tiered... 
um, trying to figure out a way to best describe this. So, so, so there are tiers there. Um, of, and I guess the tiers are more about levels of detail. Um, does your brain compartmentalize that way? I think, I think, um, I think similar to an outline yes. or maybe a better, a mind map, um, in the sense that branches or things branch off. And when I don't have things, when everything doesn't converge to one point, that's when I start feeling, um, scattered. Uh, I see. Okay. Everything needs to eventually converge down to one thing, which, you know, obviously the one thing would be me, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I know you're coming from there. Sure. Um, knowing that, okay, I do this. And then what do I do with that? Okay. Well, if it's this, it goes here. And if it's this, it goes here. Like those two boxes, right? Yep. If it's this, it goes in this box. If it's this, it goes in this box. And I like that structure because then I don't have to think about it. Yeah. I, um, I suspect that my brain can't work that way. Well, I think that the reason it's less about that structure that's important. The, the kind of the, the bigger thing, that the thing that's important about this for me is not that structure. It's that realizing the purpose of things that I was already doing when I didn't know what the purpose of them were. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. I was doing things, but I didn't know why I was doing them. I, didn't, I, hadn't, I hadn't figured out the reason before. I just had these things that I would do. You know, like when I talked about like um, highlighting things in a book, why was I highlighting them? I didn't know. Sure. I had no idea. I just, it was a thing that I did. I picked up a habit somewhere, but I never had a purpose for it. And it, so like, it's like I do the, you know, like the newsletter. Why am I doing this newsletter? I don't know. What is the purpose of it? I don't know. I'm just kind of doing what everybody else does. Well, that's not inspiring. But then when the marginalia thing clicks in, I'm like, oh, that's why I'm doing it. Because I've been collecting all of these facts and now I have an opportunity to share them. Sure. I mean, it goes back to what we've talked about many times before, finding the why. Man, that's that's the kind of the weird origin and genesis of this entire podcast. I mean, why, why is always such... I mean, we talk... I remember in the older episodes, we used to talk about why so much. I mean, it, it was it was kind of a running theme for long periods of time, yeah. and I feel like we've kind of a, we've kind of gone away from that a little bit, um, or at, at the very least, we talk about it subconsciously now instead of consciously like we used to. And I feel like more so than anything else, I think the journey for me and the journey for you, uh, for entirely different reasons, has been about why for the last six months. Oh, at least six months, because mine goes all the way back to the summer, so almost a year. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, why, I that, like I, that's why I changed the name to Holy Fool. It came from yeah, why. Yeah, that's true. I remember that. Like, I, I, I mean, for me, the, everything is about why now. Like, you know, at the, end of, at the end of a relationship or at the beginning of a whole bunch of change, you start to go through all of the things that you do and, and how and why you do them. Um, and, and, and meaning or purpose becomes such an important motivator. You know, like I, I, I now think about everything I do. Um, probably to a fault. I mean, I'm assuming that anyone who knows me well enough or spends enough time with me realizes how often I analyze. <laughs> yeah. um, probably, probably for, for, and I'm sure that will level out at some point once I have enough answers to satisfy um, my, my incessant need to find purpose in life. Um, but, but that's definitely a very, very powerful motivator in my own life right now. Yeah, I think that what's, what's interesting is that you and I are both very analytical people. But we both come at it from opposite angles. Um, yes, yeah, at least at least in my perception of you, you analyze before you act. I tend to I act and then try to figure out why I did it. 
Yeah, like you, like you and the index cards. Like you would have, you just, you've done index cards forever, and now you're figuring out why. I would have thought about why I was doing index cards for like six months before I wrote a single one. I think that's why I can't do it that way because I never act. Remember the Squarespace oh, debate. True. Yeah, but I feel like I feel like there's a little bit of a little bit of me and you in that sense too. Um, in that I do act quite a bit, um, and I think I have reasons, but I I realize that my reasons are the wrong reasons uh, most of the time, and that the, the more profound reason is one that I haven't come to yet. Yeah, because in 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 the lack of a why, sometimes you try to manufacture one. Oh yeah, of course. Because you feel like you need it. You're like, oh, I'm doing. The, why am I doing this? Because it's good for people. But you, yeah, sure. The true why. Is something that's like burned inside of you, you know. Like it's it's not something you're like, oh, I think this is why I'm doing it, you know. Like that that email thing is such a small thing, but that is so me. It is the essence sure. of who I am. <laughs> sure. And that, to be able to get to a place where all of the stuff that I do creatively is like that, where where I say, hey, what, so somebody knows me kind of well. Um, but they don't know the things that I do. They go, what do you do? You know, like, what's the newsletter about? And then I tell them that the response should be, oh, that's so you. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll tell you now, that's my response to it. Of course you would. Of course you would. And that, I think that's how you know you're on a, a good path is when it's that, when those things are so entwined together. Sure. And I think that's really, really, really what, deep down what, Simon Sinek is talking about with that why. Um, it's the difference between, like we said, the, like the wrong whys or the manufactured whys, because those are those are reasons. Those aren't actual whys. Those are reasons. We don't. Well, I mean, even and and by the way, those don't have to be that far apart. Um, but even even the smallness of how different they are, they can be vastly different. Like, I mean, for example, when I I was first when I was first considering running for public office, I thought it was to save the, or to serve the greater good. Um, and although that felt true enough to me, um, in the last week, uh, you know, I've even said it on this podcast or this episode of this podcast, um, is that for me, it's about inspiring people. It's, it's sure it's about serving the, the greater good as well, but the inspiring people part is the part that gets me out of bed. You know, it's the part that defines me. It's the part that 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 basically characterizes all of my everyday interactions for what they are. And although on the surface they don't feel that different motivationally, they're very different. You know, uh, the, the the idea of either of those things coexisting um, is is definitely possible, but one is very different than the other. Yeah, I think there's there's it's like the things that when you're doing the thing for the right why. It's it's something that you would do no matter what. Sure. Exactly. You know, like I I would I I've been writing things on index cards for years. Obviously, I would still continue to collect and do those things if nobody read the newsletter. I sure. I would continue to put the newsletter together and send it out. You know why? Um, because if it's five things, it gives me a reason to pull five of those cards out of the box and remember what's on them. I would probably still do sure. that. Sure. This podcast, we come and we talk about this stuff. If we weren't recording, we've said this many times, if we weren't recording it, we would still have these conversations. <laughs> yeah, we would still talk about this shit anyway. I sure. would still be sweating right now if saying that I would watch her poop even if I only said it to you. <laughs> sure. I would still be worried sure. about that. <laughs> That's still what I would be doing. But I did say it. And um, 
now it's about for me it's like now the patreon needs that you know the patreon needs that 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 why where i'm like oh yeah okay this is this is it this is what i would do and i'm starting like that's really starting to click in for me um sure let's 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 do a split on the challenges right now let's let's talk about the challenges that we had last week then i want to say something about patreon and then we'll talk about what our new challenges are going to be. Sound good? Okay, go for it. Okay, do you remember what your challenge was last week? Not off the top of my head, no. Appreciate someone you take for granted. Oh, definitely. Definitely did or definitely def- didn't? Def- definitely did. Um, you made that sound made a little sure kinky was, the way you said that. Well, no. It, <laughs> oh, <laughs> let me, let, me, let me restate that. It's it's a person who is a friend of mine and who is constantly in my life, but I don't I don't tell him enough, nor do I consciously appreciate enough how profound of an effect he's had over the last three years of my life. Um, and this is this is someone we all know too, and he's he's also been on this podcast. Um, and it's Eric, strangely, um, in that you know I I. I wouldn't have even thought about getting into the world of politics if it wasn't for him just literally saying, hey, do you want to come along with me to this really cool thing that I'm doing? Um, and I've made sure this week that I've, I've reminded him of how important, um, like how cool he is, the things that he does, and how, how much I appreciate the things that he does. I feel like there are certain people in your life that you kind of take for granted that way. Like you don't tell them enough how profound of an effect they've had on your life. And I feel like I've, I've, been, I, I've, I've definitely made much more of an effort to remind them of that. Not just from a, an appreciation of what he's done for me perspective, but just an appreciation of who he is, you know? That's one of the interesting things about these challenges because a lot of, I wouldn't say all of them, but a lot of these challenges are things that we challenge ourselves to do for a week. But they, mm-hmm. if we're living right, these are things that won't end at that week. You know, like appreciating people you take for granted, that's something you're probably going to carry on in perpetuum, right? Oh, absolutely. I've done that with more than just him. He was just the first person I did it with. Right. Or like uh, my, my journaling every day. That's something I want to carry on beyond the week that I challenge myself to do that. I want to do that all the time, forever. Sure. Speaking of, how did you do in your challenge? So my challenge was to have a quote-unquote artist state. Um, you know, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do for this. You know, like I gave myself that challenge, but then I was like, so what is my artist date? And I, I really, I was getting down to the wire where I'm like, I haven't, I haven't done anything. And I actually, coming into this, I'm like, I don't think I did it. So I started thinking about it because I didn't do any of the obvious things like go to a art gallery or, you know, go to a poetry reading or something like that. And then I realized I did do it, but I didn't realize I was doing it at the time. So um, I was walking with the dog and we walked and I said the walk was not going to count. I'm walking with the dog and I'm walking through this park and there's this girl hitting baseballs with her dad and just kind of like watching the dogs kind of fascinated, but also kind of scared every time she hits the ball. And we're walking past this bench and I thought about, I've been thinking about this. Um, I don't know if this is true, but I've been reading a lot of and hearing in podcasts a lot that there's a health benefit to standing barefoot in dirt or grass. And the explanations are it has something to do with it. Um, ions and, and the grounding the water inside of the body. Don't know if that's hippy dippy shit or if it's true science. I don't know because um, I haven't researched it. But it, it, I thought about that as I'm walking past this bench, and I'm like, 
probably be really cool to just like stand here and walk around barefoot on this grass in the middle of this park. And I walked past the bench and I got about 10 pack, 10 strides past the bench. And I was like, I'm here now. What, what am I putting it off for? Huh. I'm here now. <laughs> and I turned around, I walked back to the bench in the middle of this public park. I took off my shoes. I took off my socks and I stood on the grass for like 15 minutes and walked around with the dog and just walked around barefoot on the grass. And like, They'll purpose the art. How, how did you feel? <laughs> well, the purpose of the artist state is to like rejuvenate you. And I will say, I don't know if it had anything to do with the, you know, the ions and all that stuff, but just doing that action, it really did rejuvenate me. Um, and I don't, I, like I said, I don't know if it had to do with the actual, I was barefoot on grass or if it was just because I did something in the moment instead of putting it off to this uh, invisible future. Like I, oh yeah, one day I could stand on the grass. Well, I'm on grass right now. Why don't I do it right now? You know, like if you were at the beach and you're like, I could swim in the ocean. Would you go home or would you take off your shirt and jump in the ocean? Yeah, just, go, just go swim in the damn ocean. Right? So that's my artist date. That's what I did. Huh, nice. Yeah, and I recommend it. I recommend walking. I don't, like I said, can't verify the truth of the health benefit part but psychologically it feels really cool to walk around on grass so i recommend it i'm gonna try that this week what'd you say i'm gonna try that this week i'm gonna go find some grass and walk around in it you should it feels really cool i mean think about it that's kind of what our feet is meant for so at least that part it kind of makes sense like you're dude i can't remember the last time i walked barefoot anywhere yeah, well, and one of the things that, you know, talking about these health benefits, they were saying, they're like, why do you think that any like martial art has people do things barefoot? They said, because for centuries, they've known the connection between the feet and the ground. And I was like, that's an interesting thought. Never thought about hmm. that before. Could be complete sure. bullshit, but I like the sound of it. <laughs> sometimes it's okay. I like that you give it room to be utter bullshit, though. But sometimes it's okay if it's bullshit, you know? So what? So I, I stood on the grass for 15 minutes for something that could be bullshit, but I felt good. So I didn't really stand there for the bullshit. I stood there to feel good. Sure. Makes sense. Yeah. Why not? You know, facts are, oh, what was it? was Mark Marin talking to Lisa Kudrow. I haven't listened to Marin in forever, but I happened to be flipping through and I saw he was talking to her and I like her. Um, and she said something near the end about like, uh, you know, whatever you make your own reality. And, uh, and he said something, you know, like uh, in reference to like politics or whatever about, you know, like making up facts or whatever. And she said something that was really astute. She said, no, 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 there are facts. Facts are, are true. She says, but there are a lot of things in life that there aren't facts about. And that's where you can have whatever you want. And that's, that's a paraphrase, of course. And I was like, yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, maybe, maybe the, the, I don't need to be worried about the facts of my feet and grass. Maybe I can just be content with the fact that like, yeah, it feels nice. Sure. And that's enough. Yeah. And I can leave the facts for the things that are important. You know, like, I know I can't jump off of this cliff because gravity and I will die. Yes, that's fact. 
and let fact be fact. <laughs> I'm not going to sure. believe in I can fly is probably not going to change that fact. So yeah, let that fact be fact. I just thought it was a very clear delineation and I, I think it cleared up kind of um, maybe a little turmoil that I'd been having where I'm like, yes, I do. I want to believe that um, thinking positive about things um, makes things better. But then there are also things that are just plain true. And how do I justify the difference between those two? And then like here she's in, it's like this offhand comment. And I'm like, thank you. Thanks for solving that for me. <laughs> well, it's, it's weird because we literally just talked about how the why is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are definitely instances like where the why is not important at all. Yeah. You know, like I, I, I so for anyone who doesn't live in California, it's been raining and, I have this really, and it's since I was a child, I've had this, which is I love walking in the rain. I don't know what it is. And I love walking in the rain and getting wet. So I don't use a, uh, an umbrella. Well, I mean, obviously, unless it's like pouring rain and I don't want to get pneumonia. But I really, really enjoy the, 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 the act of walking in the rain. And I don't know why that is. And I don't really care why. I just really like it. Yeah, I've recently rediscovered, I've, I think for like the past decade, I've been the person that doesn't want to go out when the weather's bad but mm-hmm. because of the dog and my daily walks and enjoy my daily walks. I've been walking no matter what the weather is. Yeah. And I've rediscovered how much I enjoy doing that. Sure. So that's a nice thing to rediscover that and remember that. Um, Patreon. Yes. I promised to talk yeah. about Patreon. Patreon. So Patreon yep. um, update. So currently, for patrons, there are 34 posts for patrons only up. So when I tell you guys that I'm putting stuff up, I am putting stuff up, um, including now all of the episodes of my previous podcast, all eight episodes of what I want to talk about are up. I put up the first episode of the tech show, Technical Ramblings, what I'm calling Technical Ramblings 1.0, the show that Lamb and I did for a short period of time. First episode, that, that is up. I did a new journal and I put up... Uh, my reading lists. So every book that I've ever read for the past 13 years, all of those are up there. Holy shit. I have a a list for every year going all the way back to 2005. So how in the hell? (laughs) That's amazing, actually. So that's 13 posts alone right there. Um, And then, unfortunately, there's a lot of great things about Patreon. One of the not great things about it is it kind of is organized like Facebook in the sense that it's not organized at all. Um, mm. Like when you, if you were to drop in right now, even with 34 posts, being able to go through and look at all the stuff there that we've posted, you just have to go back chronologically or use the tags on the side, which it works, but it's also not ideal in the sense that uh, at a certain point, it gets ridiculous if you have too many tags. Um, so what I did is I created something. I made this one public. Um, and I'll put, I'll put the link in the show description. It's a table of contents that I'm going to I'm going to keep on, and it's literally a list of everything that's available in our Patreon. So it will tell you, you know, like there are certain things that are just uh, not going to be listed individually. Like it just says journals. If you click journals, it'll take you to all the journals in chronological order. Um, music. Anytime we've posted music, it's just going to take you into the posts. Of, of either video or audio that we've posted of music. 
art, same thing. It's going to show images. Um, we'll probably have photography at some point. Um, then underneath that, you have retired shows. You click on that. It's going to take you to only the episodes of what I want to talk about. Um, then if you click Technical Ramblings 1.0, it's only it's going to take you to only those episodes. And then each of the yearly book lists that I put up, click on the year, it'll take you to that one. Just an easier way for you guys. I want you to be able, when you get in there, to actually look at the shit that's in there. And as we keep adding stuff, I'm going to keep that updated. And hopefully it will be epically long. So <laughs> just a little thing. And then um, you're allowed to pin one tag to a profile. So the one tag I created for table of contents is called table of contents. So I pin that to the profile so you can find that instantaneously. So that's what I've done for you guys. What'd you say? Solid. No, that figures that you would pin table of contents. Carry on. Yeah. It's just, I want, like I said, I want you guys to be able to get into this shit easy because we're going to be keep pumping stuff in there. This is just the beginning, just the beginning. And there are many, many levels you can choose from. And like I've said many times before, everybody gets the same thing. The levels are there. Just if you want to give a little bit more and you're able to, then you can. And if you can only afford the dollar a month, dollar a month, but you're not going to get gypped on what you're able to see. So that's all I need to say about Patreon right now. Let's get into our challenges, Liam. So your challenge kind of inspired my challenge um, for this week. Um, it's funny. I thought of this challenge last week uh, and then we got reminded of it because of what we've been talking about. So your artist date thing, um, it's a combination of your challenge and my challenge from last week into one challenge, which is I'm going to take a person who doesn't really appreciate art in that same way and take them on an artist date. Take artist, take on artist date. And I, I, I already know who it's going to be and where I'm going to take them. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. And, and it's, it's going to be, it's going to be my mom, and she has no idea what she's in for. It's going to be awesome. That's going to be a good story. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Oh, you know, I have a challenge here, but I'm not feeling it. Hmm. Let me think. Uh oh. Well, I just feel like we've talked about so many things. I'm like, do I have something that can be tied more to what we've been talking about? But I don't have anything. So we'll go with what I have. This is a very difficult challenge. One that's going to be very, very hard. And the challenge is, how many days can I go without watching TV or video or movies? Ooh, brutal. Yeah. Don't expect a high number, guys. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not starting today. Uh, Yeah, just... You know what's bizarre about that? Um, is that I? I feel like that would be a horrible challenge for me because I go literally days and, and sometimes weeks without watching anything. Yeah, see, I'm just. It's not that I'm um, anti television or anything like that right now. I'm just curious. What will f- if if I create a vacuum? What will fill that that vacuum? Sure. You know, like, will I read more? Will I listen to more podcasts? And it's, it's n- n- I'm not looking for a right answer or a wrong answer. I'm just curious what will show up. Because I think it will show a lot about my tendencies. You know, like the last time I did something where I removed something, I think it was social media. Um, mm-hmm. Solitaire on my iPad filled that vacuum. So that told me that I needed to stop playing games on my iPad. So I, I learned something sure. through removing things. Even just for a day. So 
I guess I'll stick with that one. It's a good challenge. It's it's terrifying, but it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 going to be interesting. I know how much you consume media, so that that'll be yeah. I don't fascinating. I mean, to see. I only watch TV after ten o'clock at night, as it is, anyways. But I, you know, I don't. All I, all I do is I go on my walks with my dog every day, so it it fills my world. <laughs> In a way, you know, like it gives me something to look forward to. I'm like, oh, now's the time when I stop doing that and I just sit here and do this. Okay. So it'll be interesting to see sure. how that how that changes. Okay, guys. Um, oh, I never said this. Um, Patreon.com forward slash Holy Fool Productions. Probably should have said that in the other segment. <laughs> yeah, useful. <laughs> it's useful. Um, newsletter. I did mention the newsletter. You can sign up for the newsletter just by going to holyfoolproductions.com and clicking in the top right where it says the word mail. Or you could scroll to the bottom and do it that way if you really want. Um, yeah. Uh, Lamb, anything you want to uh, plug or say or um, shout? Um, I am now going on my ninth day in a row having bubble tea. And uh, I need someone to either stop me or come get bubble tea with me. Either way. I just found the name for the podcast episode. Bubble tea intervention. (laughs) You are the fourth person this week to say that to me. It sounds like a, it sounds like a really, it sounds like a, maybe it could be an adventure time episode. Like, (laughs) but it also sounds like intrigue, you know, bubble tea intervention. Uh, it's a problem, man. But I love it. But I love it. It's fine. It's going to be fine. Okay, babies. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, bye-bye. This is Rambling Bad Masters.